Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Ready to get into the message this morning. It has already been an amazing, an amazing morning so far, just the presence of God. Uh, And I just believe that uh, just the place that we ascended to in our time of worship is the place that we're going to continue to minister from. Rather than having to dip down and just kind of get down in the ditches of, of life, I believe that we can come to a higher place in our worship and a higher place of our receiving of the things of God, especially in the Word of God. Because how many of you know, the Bible says, at the entrance of His Word brings light, and it gives us the ability to live this life a whole lot more. Amen? And so we're in the fourth week of our series, simply called, uh, uh, There's No Place Like Home. And we began this series talking about the fact that Jesus is coming soon. And you know, there's something just stirring so strongly in my heart concerning the time in which we're living in. And I realize that, you know, we can talk about all kinds of practical messages. How do we defeat depression? And how do we have good marriages? And how do we raise godly kids? And all those things are needed, are important. But you have to understand that we are in a season of preparation. There are signs that are before us that tells us that Jesus is coming soon. And, and I realize that many of us would say, well, we've heard these things before. And I do understand that. And, and we'll address that in a moment. But we are in a season that I want you to be aware of and really prepare your hearts for where God is leading us and taking us in this season, in this hour. And I just saw this story this past week, and oh my gosh, it's so, I mean, it it lit a fire on the inside of me because again, it is so representative of the times that we're living in. There was this man that was, I don't know if it was New York City or uh, it was in a big city. He was on a train in transit going from one place to the next. I don't know where. I didn't get into all the details. But this old man on the train, uh, uh, subway or whatever it was, he stood up and he felt so prompted in his heart to stand up in the midst of the train car and say, Jesus is coming soon. And as I said, if you've been around here, we have been saying that. He's coming soon. And the moment that he began to share Jesus is coming soon, a woman that was sitting down, she had her little boy sitting next to her, she stood up and she began to shout at the man, telling him to shut up and sit down. Your Jesus isn't real. Leave us alone. And so the old man was embarrassed because of just how she attacked him. And he sat down. And as he's sitting down, he said, man, it's still bubbling on the inside of me that i got to tell these people that Jesus loves them. And because of the stirring and the conviction on the inside of him, he stood up again and he began to preach the gospel in the subway car. The woman began to shout and scream and she began to assault the man because of him sharing the love of God. With blood running down his face, the little boy that, she was, that, that was with her, or her little boy, stood up and said, Stop, Mommy! God sent him! The woman fell to the floor and began to cry. 
the old man that had blood running down his face said to the woman, why are you crying? And she says, my boy is unable to talk. I'm telling you, we are in the hour of Jesus coming. I want you to hear that Jesus is coming. And again, it might be next week. It might be next year. It might be in 10 years. But my question for you is, are you making preparation in this hour? Because the love of God is so lavishly expressed on you that He doesn't want you to miss your opportunity. And He doesn't want you to miss this time in which you are living. And so my question for you is, are you just going to continue to live a normal life as mere man? Or are you going to allow God to do something on the inside of you that is going to cause you to rise up in this hour and to be the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the mother, the father that God has called you to be? Amen? The Bible says that God has sent Jesus that we might have a life more abundantly. He didn't say that He came so that you could have and live a life redundantly. He said He came that you would have a life and live it abundantly in this hour. God never called His kids to live just as mere man. He never called us just to get caught up in the mundane of life and the carnality of, of the trap and the snares of the enemy. In fact, this is one of the things that my wife didn't share concerning the, the word of the Lord from Brother Copeland. He said that there is a blanket that has been spread across the church and we are now coming into an hour where the, the things that have once held you back. See, it's so easy for the enemy to bring condemnation into our lives that says you messed up, you failed, you, you continue to do the same thing and over and over again. And, and therefore it holds you back and because of the conviction in your heart you get angry and you withdraw but God has said that in this hour is a time in the presence of God and because of the blood of Jesus those things are going to fall praise the Lord you know when we were in the service with brother uh, pastor Mark Hankins the other day now once again this these are some things that you know are a little deeper in our conversation or just in sharing with you. But you know there is the word of the Lord. Or the prophetic word that oftentimes will come through ministers. And they don't get all weird and goofy saying. Thus saith the Lord. But it's just prophetic words that when you know that they're spoken by God. You grab hold of them. And so when we were in those services just a few weeks ago. When Pastor Mark came and ministered and prayed for me. Here's one of the things that he said. God's changing you into a new man. And I'm telling you what, those things have been burning in my heart ever since then. And it's like, God, not going back to the same. God, we're not just going to do church and we're not just going to have formality. God, we're going we're to see the presence and the glory of God in demonstration because people need to know that God is real in this hour. Amen? And so again, I'm setting a challenge before you today that in this hour, Will you allow God in the house of God begin to shape and mold you and help you become what he's called you to become? Amen. I want to bring your attention, if you will, concerning a portion of scripture that I've been reading. And in Matthew chapter 25, I'll, I'll, 
Well, for the sake of time, we're, we're running low on time. But Matthew 25, the Bible says, it speaks of, and I shared this a little bit on Wednesday night, the Bible speaks of the bridegroom that is coming. Let me just get there because there's a portion that I want to read. He says, the bridegroom is coming. And he says, there was five virgins that went to wait for the coming of the bridegroom. It says that they took their lamps and it, they took their oil. And then there was the uh, other five virgins that came and they brought their uh, lampstands. And it says that the bridegroom was delayed. And as they were delayed, the Bible says that they all became slumbrous or went to sleep. But then there was a sound, there was an alarm, there was a call that says, the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is coming. And it says that as they awoke, they prepared and got ready or made ready for the bridegroom to come. But the five that only brought their lamps and not, did not bring additional oil, they turned to the other and said, give us, give us some oil so that we would have it until the bridegroom comes. And they said, no, we've brought oil for ourselves. You're going to have to go somewhere else to get your oil because we don't want to miss his coming. And so therefore it says that the five that did not have the oil, they went to purchase oil. When they came back, the bridegroom had already come. They came and knocked on the door and said, let us in. And the bridegroom said, the door is shut. Depart, I don't know you. Here's what it symbolizes or what it represents. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is Jesus. He's coming. And you often have heard Jesus is coming. And there's been a delay. And then you've heard Jesus is coming. And then there's been a delay. And finally, we've gotten to the place where we said, I've heard that before. And we just slumber. And we just go through life. And we just get busy. We get distracted. We just go back to the old ways of life. And the oil drains out of us. We've not stayed full. But there is a people that says, even though there is a delay, we know that Jesus is coming. Even though there might be a delay, we see the signs of His coming. Therefore, we're going to stay full. We're going to have a reserve. Therefore, if the, if the time delays long enough, we still have enough in us to stay full for His coming. Amen. And that's what God is saying to us and desiring for us. Get yourself into a position where you're full. Get full. And the oil also represents the person of the Holy Spirit. Get full. Stay full. You realize whatever you give yourself to, whatever you sow to, that's what you're going to receive. Does that make sense? The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto that. A man sowing seed and reaps a harvest. God built his kingdom upon that principle. Do you realize that over time, then I'll just get on a little side journey if that's all right. Do you realize that the enemy likes, well, if you were here last week, I said that the devil likes to go to church. Well, what's, it, what's the devil do when he goes to church? Does he ever point out the good things? Does the devil ever say, wow, that song was awesome. Did you feel the presence of God in that song? No. He says, man, did you hear the person sitting next, uh, singing next to you? Weren't they really good with the sarcasm? Did you ever hear the devil sit on your shoulder after church and say, Boy, wasn't that a good message? Didn't it help you? Didn't it edify you? No, he says, boy, pastor went 10 minutes over today. 
right? The devil goes to church, but he's not looking to edify you, help you, or grow you, but he will keep on working on the thoughts in your life of all the negativity to the point of where you will start to sow. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's over in Luke's gospel, it says, to the measure that you sow, it will be measured back to you. And we often use that scripture when it comes to finances because it's a biblical principle. But the reality or the actual context of that scripture is talking about judgment, criticism, unforgiveness. And so you come to church and you start getting critical. You start complaining. You start pointing out the faults. I don't like that pastor. He's just kind of getting under my skin or he talks about money or whatever it might be. And because you give to the thoughts and because you start to voice your opinion, start talking to the husband or the wife or the friend or whatever it might be, before you know it, you've stirred it up so much that what you've sown, you're also now starting to reap. So not only that, you are starting to have a disgruntled attitude when it comes to church and therefore you're unable to receive when you come. And God is so longing to pour out blessing and increase and mercy and grace and glory upon your life amen. amen and so God wants us to come to a place where we're not full of the junk of life but full of his spirit so that we're ready in the hour not only that just ready in general I said just ready in general you know there's a man that is, is a part of our church and he's shared this with me uh, we were talking again, I shared this this past Wednesday. He, he was sharing with me, he said, you know, uh, I've had this thing stirring up on the inside of me. And, and he says, and I don't know if it's, you know, God trying to stir me up or if the devil's trying to bring condemnation on me. He said, but I keep getting this thing stirred up on the inside of me that I need to be a witness. I need to uh, go tell people about Jesus. He said, but that's just not me. And then shortly after that, just about a week later, he went on a trip out of town and when he's out of town, there's a gentleman that he begins to talk to. And this is how, what he said and how he said it. He said, I asked the man, are you a Christian? Now notice the inflection of the voice. Are you a Christian? As though he's assuming that he is. And the man says, no, I'm not. In fact, I'm Jewish. And so he said, man, I was so dumbfounded in the moment that I was like... And I didn't know what else to say. And so then he, he said, man, the enemies has been beating me up all week long about that because I didn't have anything else to say. And I'm thinking to myself, you said it all. God moved on your heart. And this man that doesn't know Jesus, you ask with an anticipation and an expectancy that he does. And you said, are you a Christian? Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that that question, with the help of the Holy Spirit, was burning in that man's heart and mind after that encounter. Oh, come on, Jesus showed up through a man that was intimidated about sharing the love of Jesus. But in that moment, God had an opportunity to talk to that man. Come on, I'm talking about an hour where God wants to use us. And are we ready? And you say, I don't think I am. But you just might find that you're more ready than you think you are. And so therefore, if you're not full, when opportunity comes, you'll never have an opportunity to respond to it because you're not full. But all when the opportunity arises, when you're full, that which is in you begins to ooze out of you. Even if you do it halfway, even if you do it partly wrong, or whether you just 
do it with a whole heart, but you don't know what you're doing. You've taken the chance, and God uses the opportunity to minister to somebody. And you begin to fulfill purpose. Amen. God is so good. Is, is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Praise the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 17, and once again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. But just last week, I began to read just through 1 Kings and 2 Kings, and these stories just began to stir on the inside of me. And in this particular story, the Bible says that uh, Elijah was, was talking to the Lord, and the Lord said, I have prepared for you a woman that is going to minister to your needs when you get there. See, oftentimes we're thinking, well, what can I do? What can I do in my, the arm of my own flesh and my strength? And God says, I'll prepare the way. I'll take care of you. He said, there's going to be a woman that's there to help minister to you, and she'll have something for you. When he got there, there was a great famine in the land. He meets the woman, and he says, what are you doing? And she says, well, I've got a little bit of flour. I've got a little bit of oil, and uh, we're going to bake a cake. My son and I, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die because it has really gotten bad. Then the man of God, the preacher, you got to love those preachers because, man, God stirs them to ask some pretty strong questions. And oftentimes behind the man of God asking the question, it's God asking you the question. He says to her, I heard that you said you have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and you're going to make it for you and your son and you're going to die. But why don't you make one for me first? Boy, doesn't that just kind of get under your skin? I just told you I didn't have very much. And you're asking me to make you one? I said, yep. And the Bible says that she went ahead and did so. And when she did so, the Bible says that she never ran out of oil or flour again. Because she responded to the ask of the Lord. Now, oftentimes we're real nervous in church sometimes to say, what is God going to ask me? What's he going to ask me for? Will he ask me for my kids? Will he ask me for my last dollar? We saw in this story God did. You might say, well, man, that's really, that, that, that makes me struggle. But you've got to understand that God is asking you a question because he's got a miracle on the other side of your obedience. But oftentimes you focus on and all you can see is what God is asking, which oftentimes comes through the pastor or the preacher. But God is speaking to your heart and saying, will you give me you? And the Bible says she made the cake, but not only did her reserves never dry up, shortly thereafter, the Bible says that her son died and she went to the man of God and she says, what is this that has taken place? My son has died. And then all of a sudden she starts focusing on her sins. She says, have you brought my sins against me? No, you realize that God is not going to put you under a microscope and make you feel guilty. No, she says, you must do something about this. And the Bible says that Elijah took the little boy, went to her house, went into a room, and then the Bible says that he cried out to the Lord. And the Bible says that the boy came back to life how was it that she had the opportunity of a miracle when she needed it the most it's because she heard God speaking to her 
saying, will you give me? Even if it seems like it's your all, will you give it to me? Because, and you might say, are you talking about money, Pastor? No, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. God's wanting you. Well, it seems hard. Well, whoever told you that serving God was hard? It's not. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. If you think serving God is hard, it's a lie from the pit of hell and you've believed it. Now, you might have some things of the flesh that you wrestle with, but that's not nothing to do with God. But He'll help you with that. Hello? But now notice this. You remember I talked about the man on the train? See, this is the kind of people that God's looking for in this hour that will respond to God. Notice what it says here in 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verse... Let me get there. 1 Kings. Sorry. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 24 says, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this, by what? The fact that my son was dead and is now alive. Now by this... I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth and it is truth. Did you hear what she said? By this, I know. Now, we live a life of faith in which God has commanded us to do so. But we're living in an hour that people are going to be around you and you're going to have the opportunity and in the midst of it, they're going to say, by this, I know. You might say, well, what is this? I don't know. It might be simply asking the question, are you a Christian? Can I pray for you? Can I buy you a meal? Can I give you a dollar? Whatever it is. And God's going to show up. Because this is the hour that we're in. You doing all right? All right, let me read you another one in regards. I said I was t talking about or, or that I was studying over in uh, 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 the Old Testament in the book of Kings and second Kings chapter five, starting in verse 10. Let me read this real quick. Starting in verse 10 of chapter five, second Kings, if you have your Bibles, says and Elijah sent a messenger to him, speaking of Naaman and said to Naaman. Now, if you don't know anything about Naaman, Naaman had leprosy and he called for the man of God to come and pray for him. Because he said, if you'll come and pray for me, he said, my leprosy will be healed. He said, go and wash. So the, the prophet said to the servant, he says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and saying, indeed, he said to I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call out the, to the name of the Lord, his God and wave his hands over the place and heal the leprosy. And then he goes and begins to reason. He says, he told me to go wash in the waters of Israel. Israel is the place of God's people. It's holy land. He said, now, he's told me to go wash in the Jordan. Can you believe the nerve of that guy? He told me to go wash in the Jordan River. Are not the Abna and, and, uh, and the... Uh, and the Farpa or Farpa or whatever that name is, the rivers of Damascus, aren't they better waters than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned, went away, and was in a rage or was angry. Can you believe that the, the preacher asked me to do something? 
I thought he was just going to pray and it was all going to go away. Now let me ask you a question. We can turn to medicine and think, I'm going to get a result right now. But do you realize that God is not a God of waving a wand, of rubbing a lamp, or making some wishes? No, He is a faith God and He requires faith. But the Bible says that the testing of our faith, or I should say patience, uh, uh, matures our faith. Right? And trusting and knowing Him. But notice what it says here. He went away and was angry. And then his servant came to him and said and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great or something hard, would you not have done that? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the, uh, the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Did you notice what was asked of him was not a hard thing. It was just a request of somebody responding to faith. Hello? But also what he said, he said, you want me to do it this way in the Jordan River. He says, but these rivers over here are better. And isn't that what we grapple with in today's culture? Oh, you tell me just to trust God. Oh, you tell me just to believe God. But they, I've been hearing, and they've been telling me, there's a quick fix. There's an easy way. This is the way to do it. But there's a real easy way. Just trust God. Just trust God. Are you kidding me? How many Christians have you seen walk away in a rage because you've said, just trust God. Well, wait a minute. I can do this over here and you do whatever you feel your heart's content in doing. I'm not telling you to do one thing or the other. I'm simply saying that God said, if you'll do it my way, I'll answer and you'll like the results a whole lot better. Amen? And with that being said, I want to caution you because we live in a time, I said Jesus is coming soon. And because of His coming and the hour that, it's, that, that we're in, there is all kinds of distractions to pull your attention from the reality of what is. You know, again, this is, this is not to make a stand one way or another. I'm just saying these are conversations in the church and out, elsewhere. Well, you tell me I have to wear a max, mask. You tell me I have to get a vac vaccination. What about my freedom? And then you start fighting about your freedom. But it's not about a vaccine and it's not about your freedom. There's a bigger picture and there's a greater agenda to it. There are those that will get all up in arms about politics. There's this party and there's that party. And then they want the pastor to take a side. They want the pastor to, to go to the convention. They want the pastor to talk about and preach about and say, should do this and should do that. It's not about the political party. It's about the agenda. If you get wrapped up in all the agenda, you get distracted and you're not aware of the hour that's at, that's at hand. There are those that look at the things concerning uh, climate change. Well, there's fires, there's earthquakes, and you know it's all about this. Uh, everything's heating up. 
It's because of all the emission. It's because of man. It's because we need to, to go green and we need to do this and we need to save the planet. Well, listen, did you remember that Jesus said in the last days before my coming, there will be signs, there will be fires, there will be earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be pestilence. Did I not tell you? Be awake and alert in the hour. But there's got to be something this natural world and the enemy says to distract and to take your attention away from the signs of the time. It's man polluting the, the earth and that's why it's heating up. Listen, there's got to be an explanation. But Jesus already said it. My time is coming. This is what you'll see. Amen. We've got to be alert in this hour. We see the things going on in the Middle East. It's tragic. We should have done. We could have done. This, this person's fault. It's that person's fault. Did you not hear? And did you not know that the, the Middle East is the playground of the last final days of this planet and the, the, the fulfillment of the plan and purpose of God? If you look at all the natural things, you'll become distracted and you'll not see the general intent and heart of God and the true reality of what is in front of us. And it is the hour that we live in. Are you doing all right? Praise the Lord. Let me finish up because we're running long on time and we're going to take communion this morning. Once again, in 2 Kings, we see the story of Hezekiah. The story of Hezekiah, we see that the prophet of God, the man of God, comes to him and he says, you're going to die. You're very sick and this sick is unto death. Get your house in order. There was a title of this message, Get the House in Order. But then the Bible says that Hezekiah, being a faithful man, a just man, a devout man, cries out to God and says, God, I have been faithful. I have followed you. I have kept your commandments. And the Bible says that God heard the cries of Hezekiah, and he says, I'll extend your life by 15 years. Was his cries, his boo-hooing, his complaining of God, I don't want to go. Was that what moved God? No, it was the fact that he put God in remembrance. I am your son. I've walked faithful before you. I've kept your word. I've known your truth. Therefore, do I not have a right to continue to live? And the man of God says, God heard your prayers and you're going to live longer. And then he asked this question. He says, how will I know? What is the sign that I know God will give me longevity of life. He says this. He says, now if you was to look at the hour hand and the shadow of the hourglass, he said, you know, for the hour hand to move forward or the shadow to move forward isn't a difficult thing because that's the way that the sun is already going. He said, but if the sun or the shadow was to move backwards, he said, if it was to go back where it had already been, he said, would that be a sign to you? He said, sure thing. And God moved and the sun went back to where it had been just a little bit before. You might be asking the question this hour, what is the sign that I know that God will answer my prayers? What is the sign that God will be faithful to me? It is for you to be put in remembrance that the Son 
Roll back the time through the death, burial, and the resurrection and took you to the very beginning of creation and restored you back to the way that He originally made you as the first man having victory and authority over the enemy in this earth. He said, I'm still using the sun to show you a sign. And then we see that the Apostle Paul says, do this in remembrance. Why was he saying do this in remembrance? He was not saying do this in remembrance just out of tradition, religion, pomp and circumstance. He said, I want you to put yourself in remembrance because in it is a sign. If you will, just take your first layer off and get your bread, if you will, please. He says, I want you to take communion just as Jesus did with his disciples. He says, there is the bread. The bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken. But let me share a couple of verses with you. Over in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was Jesus. And it says in verse 14 that the word was made flesh. In Psalms, it says that God sent His Word and healed you from all destruction. What was it? The Word. He says, when you partake of the bread, it represents the Word. You're healed. You're whole. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, by His stripes... His body being broken, yours don't have to be any longer. And he says now, he says, take the cup. He said the cup represents the blood of the new covenant. In the old covenant, a woman could say, do something about my son. And God would move. In the Old Covenant, Hezekiah could say, God, I've been faithful, and God extend his life. But we see in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that because of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus, we now have a new and a better covenant. Well, listen, you can't tell me that we still have to stay sick and call it better. You can't tell me that we're going to still live defeated in life and call it and say it's a better covenant or a better promise. No, he said, the blood sealed the deal. He said, in fact, the blood of Jesus sits before the throne of God to remind God of His mercy. And because of this blood, the Bible says that we've been granted access to the very presence of God without guilt and without shame, all the condemnation. Your past is gone. You might say, uh, you don't know what kind of guy I've been. You don't know what kind of things I've done. You don't know what I did last night. We're going to put ourselves in remembrance of the blood and your past, your last five minutes, it's under the blood. And therefore, we have the victory when we stand before God. God, I've got victory over sickness. I've got sick, uh, uh, victory over what the enemy's trying to do in my life, in my family, in my finances. Because the word was sent and the blood brings it to pass. Amen. Will you stand with me?
Go ahead and peel back your drink if you haven't done so already. Just be careful. It will stain you and stain the carpet and anything it comes in contact with. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and you said, my life up to this point has been a yo-yo. Up and down. In and out. With God, against God. With God, for God, walk away from God. Stop putting the pressure on yourself. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. The sin, the habits, the challenges, the struggles, it's under the blood. Today's a new day. So we're marching and moving forward. Being aware of the time in which we're living. Having a covenant with our God. He says, this bread represents my body that was broken. Take ye in remembrance of me. There's nothing magical in this piece of bread. But as you partake this morning, declare it in your heart. Declare it even out loud to say, by the body of Jesus. Through the broken body of Jesus, I have victory in my flesh and my flesh no longer controls or dominates me in Jesus name let's break and partake together and lastly as we partake of the cup this is not the blood of Jesus it merely represents it there's nothing magical in it it simply is a reminder, and the reminder itself will engage your faith. That by the blood of Jesus, your past is in the past. But not only is it in the past, in the mind of God, it does not exist. So we do not live in condemnation, for we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. As we partake of this, let the remembrance of what Jesus did conquering death, hell, and the grave, shedding His blood, making the everlasting covenant eternal and a constant in your life. Let's partake together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And so let me pray over you just before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these people, over these families over the watching and listening audience in Jesus' name. I thank you that today marks a new day. We're marching forward. We're moving on. God, we're going up higher into the things of God. I thank you, Father, that our flesh does not dominate us. Our soul and our thought lives do not control us. We thank you that we're led and prompted and moved by the Spirit of God that's within us. We thank you that, Lord, your voice is more clear than ever before. And we thank you that we walk in newness of life and the glory shines before us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. We love you. And come back next Sunday and it's going to be better yet. Amen. God bless you. Have a good one. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church.
loving God, loving people, and loving life.